Hi, this is Jordan. And I'm Brian. And you're listening to The Quality Varies. Jordan. Hey, Brian. How are you? I am peachy. I'm a little bit uh, less stressed than last time. My busy weekend got over with. Brian, my bike is gone. Uh, that's a... It's funny that you bring that up, actually. Is uh, your bike gone? It is no longer on the street. <laughs> that, I don't think, is what is the answer that I was expecting and that Maddie wants. No. So, uh, today, actually, I was at work, and two police officers knock on my front door, and uh, one of my kids answers, and... <laughs> So my wife goes up to the door, and there's two police officers standing there, and her first thought was, oh no, did Brian oh my die? Yeah. <laughs> Not a good way to start the day. What time was this? Was uh, this in the morning? No, this was in the... Uh, no, it was. It was like 8 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, not a good way to start the day. <laughs> nope. And so she, like, hardcore panicking for, like, a full second, and then... They just started asking about the motorcycle that was parked on the street. And they're like, hey, we noticed that the motorcycle is uh, not registered. And uh, if a vehicle is inoperable for any reason, uh, it can't spend more than like 96 hours on the, on the public road. It can sit on your driveway. if it's, That's fine, but it can't be on the public road uh, while it's inoperable. And so she was like, oh, okay. <sighs> And so she just moved it up <laughs> into our driveway. Does she like riding? Uh, I've taken her on a couple of rides on the Buell. And she's actually asked about taking it out on like date nights every now and then. Unfortunately, oh, okay. the Ducati doesn't have a back seat. Doesn't do that. <laughs> yeah, so that's a no-go. But My impression of her attitude on the bikes was incorrect. I thought, I thought she was not a fan of them for some reason. Mm. Yeah, she doesn't love them. But she does like that I like them a lot. And... Everybody is on board for the price. True. Yeah. I mean, the gas mileage alone is just silly. Yeah. I've gassed up one time in like a month and a half. <laughs> and it cost me under $12. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, that uh, that's hard. And plus you live in St. George. So mm. your season's lasts a little bit longer that you can bike in yeah than a lot of other places right right is there really any any stretch of time that you consistently can't really ride in the past years when i lived down here before i moved to salt lake i rode year round okay uh while my bike was you know not dead yeah i didn't ride it at all while i was down there right <laughs> yeah that was it was in the shop for Almost two years, uh, over two years, almost three years. Can I just say your your patience, and I understand the situation. There was more to it than just the bike was getting fixed. Mm -hmm. But your patience on that far exceeds <laughs> anything. I haven't even had my history with motorcycles in its totality is less than two years. <laughs> <laughs> and I've gone through three bikes. Yeah. <laughs> Holy crap, man. Yeah, there was some situations going on there, and uh, yeah, it uh, it turned out to not be a huge deal. It was rough, but yeah, while 
while the bikes were in working order, 12, 12 months year round was riding season for me. So I just need a big leather jacket for like December and January, really. Yeah. You need a big leather jacket for multiple reasons. Mostly just the wind. You gotta, you gotta put on the whole biker look. I'm not into that, man. I'm like, not into it. <laughs> I'm down for shorts and uh, if my wife doesn't that's know, not, a not that, helmet. That's not, oh gosh. I would be okay. super down for just shorts, flip-flops, and a backwards hat. And Don't. sunglasses. Like, that is just like super good, comfortable riding gear, you know? Hypothetically, of course. Absolutely, hypothetically. Yes. Does Utah have any laws around helmets? Nope. No? Okay. Nope, yeah, Washington it, does. Oh, yeah. Well, Utah likes this thing called freedom, but we won't get into that. Okay. Yeah, I, Brian, <laughs> Brian, this episode is not starting off in the way that I desired. <laughs> I obviously had expectations going into this that are already being proven wrong. That's right. We'll drop that subject real quick. No, no, no. I got I to gotta go over my the sale of my bike. Oh. Yeah, let's talk about you selling your bike. So I was having a lot of like shame and self-conscious attitudes mm-hmm. around this sale happening because I put it up on the market once. I listed it for twenty five hundred, mm-hmm. knowing, knowing that it was not worth that much. Right. I was back in June, if I'm remembering correctly. Mm-hmm. I got offer. I think the highest one was around eighteen hundred. Yeah. At the time, mm-hmm. and I mostly didn't take that out of principle because the guy was. That was at the tail end of a guy making me hold on to the hold the bike for a week, asked me to lower the price. Mm, so just yeah. out of principle, I was like, no, yeah, I will not. <laughs> so I got cold feet. I liked the bike and I was like, I'll just, I'll just sell the bike later. I'll just get a couple more months of riding. Mm-hmm. Rode it, like loved it for another three weeks. And then the heat wave happened mm. the day after the heat wave in the Northwest, or I don't know if you guys really experienced it too much. Um, where you guys were at, but our 118 degree weather, um, here in uh, Southeast Washington happened the day after I killed my battery. Oof. And so the mental exhaustion of thinking about trying to deal with a couple problems at once, it's too much for me. Mm-hmm. So I let the bike sick for three weeks in the heat. Oh. And then when I turned it back on, the carburetor was like, what's, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that can happen. Um, so the carburetor needs a deep cleaning. Mm. And I never had an intention on taking it in my uh, in my move that uh, is coming up. Uh, mm-hmm. We're not uh, we're not talking about that too much on the show yet. I don't think it's ever been discussed yet, but we'll get around to it. We'll maybe, get there. Maybe in the next month or so. Yeah, nothing big. Just a you know almost cross country move. Anyways, I never had any intention of taking the bike with me. Mm-hmm. So I got to list it again. This time I listed it for like twelve hundred. Mm-hmm. The Facebook. Is not a mentally healthy place for many reasons. That's why I don't get on there. I go through spurts of like every six months. I have a reason to be on Facebook. Yeah. It's not really... Messenger is a beautiful thing. Yeah, Messenger's great. I thought they were fools and, and idiots. The first... Like when they first initially separated Messenger away mm. from Facebook. Yeah. Uh, one of the smarter things that they've done as far as its effect on me. Oh, yeah. Uh, I use Messenger on a daily basis, but wow. Facebook... Uh, is not uh, not the best thing that the world has ever received <laughs> as far as gifts. <laughs> I download this to put it on the Facebook Marketplace, and I start getting these messages from some intellectuals here in Southeast Washington. Hmm. I'm 
I'm biding my tongue. <laughs> what do you what 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 is your best guess on some of the first offers that I got? I don't know. Did somebody offer you like five hundred bucks for it? I had three people within the first day just message me saying three fifty. What? <laughs> like twelve hundred twelve hundred dollars? Hey, three fifty. Come on. Not five days prior did I walk into a bike shop and I sold my pedal bike for five hundred dollars. Good like, gravy. I'm not giving you like this thing can go my pedal bike can go like twenty miles an hour. Mm-hmm. My motorcycle can go 120 miles an hour. I'm not giving it to you for less than what I just sold my pedal bike for. 350, bro? Come on. But just nothing was happening. No traction. And I'm sitting here putting this on myself because I am a salesman. I hated, I hated salesmen all my life. There's that identity. Yes. Thank you. You know, family members were salesmen. Didn't yep. like it. Yep. Avoided sales for my whole life. And then uh, houses came around. I was like, ooh. And now I do sales. <laughs> yeah. I think that I am okay at it, but based on the first week of this bike being listed, I would say I'm pretty trash. <laughs> mm, and love that. didn't think yeah, didn't think I was gonna I was going from like I listed twelve hundred, thought that it was gonna be easy. A couple of days later I'm like, okay, minimum of a thousand. And then by the end, like I was I messaged a guy back. Luckily he didn't reply to me quickly enough. Because I was gonna accept his eight hundred dollar offer, man. And if and if that didn't work out, I was just gonna bite the bullet on the bike, and I was going to sell it for. I was gonna sell it to a buddy, and let that bike be his first bike, mm-hmm. and let him learn and just, you know, take the emotional satisfaction that at least I'm doing something nice. Right. And I was gonna give it to him for five hundred. Oh. Luckily. If only my laziness and that other person not reaching back out to me. Uh, somebody did reach out and we met kind of that same night. Mm-hmm. And I was very like taken back because I bought it from a gal that her and her family, they restored cars mm-hmm. for like as a hobby. So the gal that I bought the bike from, I showed up at her house and there was just a, it looked like a parking lot of just beautiful cars. Yeah. Ooh. And this bike... They had re- they had re uh, replaced the tank and then the whole bike you've seen the the photo of it it's mm-hmm. a it's a I don't know if it's a pearl white or a Cadillac white yeah um, but beautiful pretty, custom pretty pretty yeah. bike and when I walked out to meet them uh, I was scrambling around around in my bedroom trying to look for the title uh, and they were outside just it was out in the driveway so they were already taking a look at it she the, it was the doppelganger <laughs> I thought that the same gal had just for some reason, wanted her bike back mm-hmm. and had come to, to buy it again. And so it took me several minutes to establish that this was not the same woman. Uh, she came out and uh, she, she is not, she's rode dirt bikes all her life, um, mm. but she's started to get into sport bikes and cruisers and all that. Yeah. She has a family member that's very familiar with bike maintenance. And so it wasn't, it's not going to cost her anything to clean the carburetor and do everything gotcha. that's needed to get it fully functioning. So that's, that's nice. Yeah. So that family member, Took it around the block, was totally comfortable with it. Made me slightly less confident. You're going to not like what I'm about to say. Mm. But he asked me about the choke. And okay. I said, yeah, you you push the choke that way to turn on the choke. Or whatever the technical term is for the choke on the motorcycle. Okay. And he looks at me and he says, are you sure? <laughs> oh, no. And I'm, 
And I said, I mean, my heart's pumping right now, but I swear that the motorcycle shop pointed at this thing and pointed upwards and told me to push it away from me to turn the choke on. Oh, man. And he just gives me this look and I'm like, oh my goodness, have I been, have, is my whole life a lie? <laughs> like The way you've so, been choking your motorcycle certainly is. So we're gonna we're gonna qu- we're gonna quickly move on from that because I am deeply uncomfortable uh, with the implications. Isn't there, a, isn't there a picture right there? No, there well, should be it a had picture. Been, it had been worn off. Oh. There was there was an arrow that once he like explained his reasoning to me, mm-hmm. it did look like the arrow may have been pointing down. But we're not we don't need to we don't need to get oh, into that. Jordan, we don't we don't need to get into that. That's right. Well, I mean. To be fair, you're pretty new with bikes. I'll give you that. And being new, receiving advice from a mechanic who's supposed to know better, that's a raw deal, man. Yeah, and I still, as I explain this, I'm still more than 50% sure that I was, that I I am correct. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that, like, I still think that I am on the right side of this because I, I do remember the mechanic when they cleaned my carburetor having this interaction with him yeah but there's a seed of doubt <laughs> yeah the, and the chokes, seed is blooming yeah the chokes they come towards you to choke the carburetor i mean at least that's how it's been on on mine but well i don't know in that case probably the carburetor probably didn't need as much of a cleaning as i thought it did probably that also means but, we're uh, riding with uh, a good amount less power i think oh we don't need to <laughs> Sorry to burst your bubble there, buddy. Let's change topics here. Uh, how are you doing with the old uh, Murph challenge? Hashtag Jordan's first Murph challenge. Man, Brian, we're just going to go from one good topic to another. Great topic. My fitness is going great. That's good. I would not say that my workouts on a daily basis are being tailored exactly <laughs> towards Murph challenge activities. But when when is that challenge, by the way? Next month. Like what? What's the date? Uh, November eleventh. Yeah. <sighs> okay. That's a. That's gonna be a very interesting date. It'll be fine. You'll be fine. <laughs> uh, that will be the day that I am driving out of state. No way. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> it just gives me more of a reason to go sign up for a gym when I arrive. Yeah. Exactly. The moment you arrive. Just not even not even get to my new place. Nope, just, just drive the moving well. truck straight to the gym. Hello, I would like to work <laughs> Pull out <up>. here. <laughs> Park and f- take up like eight disabled parking <laughs> spots. Hello, it is I. I would like to purchase a membership, please. <laughs> the faster you sign me up, the faster I free up those disabled parking <laughs> spots. No, if there's any, my time working at the gym, if there's anything that uh, gets handled very quickly is those, and this is not a bad thing, I'm totally down for it, but uh, those volunteer, uh, like, enforcement officers, those, like, retired folks that just yeah. drive around in the car and they just they just live to, to make sure that non-disabled people are not taking up disabled parking spots. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Their response time may be faster than an ambulance. <laughs> like, some Jeep rolls up and it doesn't have any tags or anything, doesn't have the permanent or temporary tags. Mm-hmm. Like those guys are on them before before that guy even steps down. Dang. Yeah, just <laughs> they're amazing. I had all my stuff. You challenged me at just a, just an extremely opportune time when I was trying to lose weight, and you told me to do all this functional training stuff. Mm-hmm. I lost the weight. I met all the goals that I was wanting to. Sweet. And then that gave me 
about a month and a half to uh, to start working on the functional training. Mm-hmm. Um, started doing the strength training. Me and an old coworker of mine that still trains at the gym uh, connected again, and he's he's uh, training me all the way up until I leave. And he asked me, he says, "Are you going for the Murph Challenge to like do all the things, or do you have another purpose?" I said, "Well, <laughs> in reality." Uh, I just want, like, I just have, I just have this massive ego and I just want to look amazing when I have to take a a certain couple of business photos Mm -hmm. in about a month. And he said, okay, so you don't care about the Murph challenge. You just want to look bombing. And I said, yes, I would like to look bombing. (laughs) Who doesn't? That's what's going on right now. Um, it's, it's tailored towards the Murph challenge, but, uh, but not a lot is happening. On that specific end, um, and I also cry inside every time I look at how many how many pull-ups. <laughs> um, I really don't care about any of the other me- uh, metrics, mm-hmm. and so that's how that's going. How's gotcha. it going for you? Um, good. It's going good. I got a pair of uh, very nice running shoes for my birthday. Ooh! And so uh, running is coming along swimmingly. Nice. I, in fact, I started, I didn't do this last time, uh, but I started doing the before and after runs, um, during, for my workouts. I only did that, like, maybe twice before I did the whole challenge last time, last year. Yeah. But I've been, I've started to do that more frequently during, like, for each workout. Um, the, uh, the after run is a killer. Dude. Have you have you done like the yeah. the hundred hundred plus squats and then run a mile? Yeah, I've done the hundred, like the sets of thirty five. Yeah, and then got and done it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That is, I don't know if the movements I was making would be called running. <laughs> yeah, right. It's, it's more kind of, of like, like a like a like a, a swift controlled. Yeah, it's like yeah, a semi controlled fall forward. Yeah, like a swift yeah. penguin. Yeah, is just booking it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, the uh, all those squats, uh, especially the first time I did a, an after run, my butt and hamstrings just felt like rubber. Yeah. They're just like bouncing around. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was a it was an interesting experience. Cardio Much, in general, as yeah. as I'm like reteaching myself, so like a lot of this fitness related stuff, mm-hmm. I'd forgotten how much cardio changes if you do it at the end of a workout. Oh yeah. Here I am thinking like, oh, I can, you know, uh, like I'm hitting miles at around like the 11, the 11 minute mark Mm -hmm. pretty consistently. And then after the, after the workout, I go and do it and I'm thinking I'm going to hit 11 minutes. And then about halfway through, I'm like, I don't know how I ever hit this time ever. (laughs) It's a very different experience. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm glad I will do the Murph challenge on the 11th and, uh, it will be a fantastic time. It'll be great. Indeed. What's, uh, oh my goodness, we already took up 25 minutes. Brian, what's our actual topic today? Our actual topic is one that we've been really excited about, I think. And I know, I know at least one listener is actually excited to hear this episode. Um, oh, they may have stopped listening by now. That's exciting. Eh, she's fine. She'll be here. All right. All right. It's my sister. You don't have to, <laughs> we have, we have listeners that are not our family members. We don't have to. We don't have to disclose. So this one is kind of going to build on our identity episode. 
So if you haven't listened to the Identity episode, or if it's been a while since you've listened to it, I recommend going and listening to that one. Uh, pause this one right now and go back and listen to uh, the Identity episode. And we're going to kind of pick up from there and talk about something else called Ego. The Identity episode is episode 11 those that are interested in going and uh, watching that and then um, you can come back here yes please watch our podcast you know the podcast is on youtube i just gotta get it out there riveting television riveting you know what i'm sure brian have you ever seen the youtube videos i haven't actually okay well you don't know you don't know what i put on there i guess you're right i guess you're right so you now I'm gonna uh, have to put something on there for this one so that it looks interesting. <laughs> Very good. What do you have for me, Brian? Well, you mentioned a couple of minutes ago that you have a, I think you said massive ego. I think I'm quoting you correctly. Uh, what does that mean? Well, I did my best to formulate a definition before doing any kind of looking into anything. And my definition of ego is that that I wrote down is basically that I am the center stage and I am the center of the world. Like that is, that is kind of what, when I think of ego, that's kind of the, that's kind of what I have in my head. If that makes sense. Yeah. That does sound like you have a massive ego. I, that's the definition (laughs) of ego in general. I mean, that sounds like a, like a, sounds like a definition from somebody who has a big ego. Just saying, just some feedback. Oh, man. You know, when I started this podcast, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, what does it mean to be the in the, the center stage, the center of the world to you? Yes. Something I heard a while ago that really made sense in my head was the analogy that like for ego or maybe they were using it for a different description, but I'll attach it to ego. But when I think about myself... Like I'm the in in a theater or a show or a movie, like I'm the main character and mm-hmm. like there's depth to me and I got stuff going on mm-hmm. and everybody else around me is a side character with very little or maybe just one trait, you know, describing them. Mm-hmm. And that's when I, that's why I say like kind of the center stage mindset. It's like I'm the main character and everybody else is a side character. Gotcha. So in this, in, that's what I when I when I hear the word ego, that's what pops up. If that gives you a kind of a clear idea on where I come from, yeah. Um, so in this movie or play, are you watching a movie or are you on the stage or in front of the camera? Um, I think I know where you're going with this, and I am already like feeling the mental fatigue of like. <laughs> Uh, but when I think of ego or let's say like I'm the one with the ego in that moment I am the main character okay so you're on stage performing yes. the play okay yeah 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 that's uh, that's actually a really that's actually a really good description definition now I want to be clear this the ego is separate from the identity we talked a lot about identity and all of the things that we attach to ourselves, all of the labels that we um, identify with and 
glom onto and and uh, are attracted to, and we hold on to uh, identities, and we we can change those around, and we're putting stuff in our bowls and taking stuff out of our bowls, and that doesn't really it doesn't really have an effect on who we really are. Um, that's kind of the Reader's Digest uh, breakdown of the of our identity episode. Um, but the ego is different. Like you said, it's not something that you choose or form yourself. It's the like uh, like actor to use your analogy, the, uh, yeah. the the main character. To kind of build on that, if you can imagine the ego as separate from yourself, so so maybe try putting the ego in that identity bowl does that make sense are you saying are you saying like the ego is an unconscious thing or no, the no, ego no. is part of the ego is a very conscious thing in fact the ego is kind of the conscious mind in a way so do i you, wrote down do you have a oh yeah so what's what is your definition that uh you've done you knew about ego a little bit because of your work mm-hmm. and like your study is kind of in this, you know, your yeah. study is about the mind and its totality. Right. And you did a bit of research before even kind of coming to a conclusion on a definition. So what did you write down? So my definition that I wrote down here is uh, the ego is the conscious mind's perception of the self, which does kind of go along with your definition of being the actor, Right. So yeah. the ego is the observer of your life. And like you said, you are in the play. You're in the movie. You're observing everything that's happening. And everything in your life is happening centered on you. And that's the ego's perception. And that's the ego's job is to perceive everything. And... uh so and the has, ego is like is like my perception from my vantage point. It's your conscious mind's perception from of, my from my vantage point. Right. Okay. Kind of. But yes. So think of think of a boat. Think of a ship. Um on a ship you've got radar, right? Yeah. And the radar's job is to scan for disturbances for trouble the radar's there to detect threats and allows the crew of the ship to either avoid or engage the threats okay that's that's basically the ego that's basically the ego um now if i think about a ship and i think immediately how i would like to be the captain of that ship mm -hmm. would that be considered egotistical um in a different sense of the word yeah maybe <laughs> all right you may go on with your analogy so so that radar is the ego is that what mm-hmm. you're saying yes the ego's job is to see and detect and um i know we, you and i have talked about this before the ego protects us right and it uh, especially enlarged egos are there to protect our vulnerabilities. So to kind of separate this from kind of the, maybe what the 
perception is from the you know a common person or if the word has been misused frequently maybe how it's been misused Mm -hmm. what would you say the difference is between what ego actually is versus maybe how people use it on a daily basis when they say somebody's got an mm. ego, right, right, right. Um, what do you what do you feel like the difference is there, so people can get an understanding on what we're talking about? Gotcha. Yes. So we're talking. Um, so you and I, we've laid down a more philosophical definition for ego. The kind of the like the character traits that people associate with ego, such as arrogance or uh, excessive confidence. Those kind of go back to Freudian psychology. Uh, good old Papa Freud. One of his later theories was the id, the ego, and the super ego. Okay. Um, I'm not familiar with this. Do you? I mean, be able to expand on that a little bit? For sure. So this was influenced by his by Sigmund Freud's um, student Carl Rogers. And Freud is kind of, he's known as the father of modern psychology. Carl Rogers is known as the father of humanism or humanistic psychology. It's interesting to study the the id, the ego, and the superego. Because um, it is kind of a shift from Freud's earlier theories, which yeah. have been uh, criticized heavily. Okay. Uh, anyway, for, being, for being wrong or for being, for being just out there? Yeah, they're, oh, oh, oh. they're kind of disturbing. Gotcha. Um, I've written papers on it. I've defended the, his earlier stuff. It's if you think really hard about it, it can make sense. But yeah, it's the yeah his his early Freud's early model of human development is kind of weird. And anyway, he had but his later stu- works are more accepted. Yes, and absolutely, Freud's. Freud invented psychoanalysis, basically. Uh, he definitely brought that into the forefront of therapy and and uh, and treatment. You know, uh, mental health treatment. That's al- that's still something that he deserves credit for. I think. Um, but anyway, the id, the ego, and the superego are kind of three levels of the mind. The id is the very base level of consciousness the uh the the carnal drives of like food sex uh sleep just really just yeah the it it is responsible for all of like the desires and passions of of the human experience okay and the ego comes online later in life um after after we're uh, a little more socialized and uh, the ego can uh, kind of come down and regulate the id and say, well, yeah, like we want to eat this whole box of Twinkies. The ego will come in and regulate the id and say, yeah, we want to eat this whole box of Twinkies, but that's not really good for us. So let's not. And then the super ego is like, the step above like the higher consciousness you can kind of think of it as uh like the top of maslow's pyramid of uh, of needs like the yeah. self-actualized like 
transcendent morality phase of uh, consciousness where uh, we want to eat this whole box of Twinkies, but it would be more fulfilling and uh, better for better for our whatever our community is to share them. The superego kind of follows this the kind of higher morality uh, in that sense. And so like do you like Twinkies? Uh they're all right. I mean, I've got I a hate them. I've got a massive sweet tooth, so anything with Oh, um, I I hate them. I any, think they're disgusting. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, I mean, like flavor-wise I'd rather have something else, but anything with sufficient amounts of sugar, I will I will eat with no problem. Hot take did not have a Twinkie until I was older than 20 years old. That's not really a hot take, that's more of a fact. I think the hot take was would be that you don't like them. And I don't think that's really a hot hot take. Moving on. <laughs> so the the kind of colloquial definition of ego is kind of tied to that Freudian definition of like the haughtiness of like the super ego kind of like yeah. oh well we're we're above eating a whole box of Twinkies or you know we're above whatever is socially acceptable, right? That's kind of that's kind of where that that uh that's that started as far as the the current attitude of an ego is that mm-hmm. overconfident, self-absorbed, yeah, kind of mindset. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's much different than how it's actually going uh, for us when ego is part of our lives. Um, as far as the definitions are concerned, yes, they're different. Freud's definition of ego is kind of the foundation, just like everything Freud said is kind of the foundation for what we study today <laughs> um our definition of ego has evolved since freud and uh so there is a there is a there are differences yes so like i said ego's kind of taken on more of a philosophical meaning um since then and we can get into that in a minute because um, actually you touched on something really deep in your definition that i want to come back to okay so the ego's like the the radar on a ship right it uh, scans the environment, uh, and the ego looks for threats to us. And like I mentioned before, its job, its primary purpose is to protect our vulnerable parts. So hearkening back to kind of how we've approached some of the previous episodes um, similar to this, it sounds like there's nothing inherently unhealthy or unnatural about ego right. in the way that you're describing it. Absolutely not. The ego... Okay. Yeah, absolutely not. The ego, like I said, it's there to protect us. It's like a it's like a barrier or a guardian for us. It's it's supposed to help us. Sometimes, well, a lot of times, we don't really understand that the ego is part of our mortal mind. Yeah. It's a it's a function of mortality. It's not it's not really who we are. Like the ego is this internal observer from our physical body. So the, cause I mean, even just hearing that, that's probably news to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Ego as it is in our lives is not inherently an, un- an unhealthy thing. And it is something that is fundamental mm-hmm. to us. The thing that I had seen and you, uh, I had done a little bit of research on my end and you had sent me a, a, just a, just a thick <laughs> with information video. that <laughs> was hard mm-hmm. to put my hands around, but the thing that I remember him saying was that ego is like the the sense of self that is conscious and that we can 
that we are aware of. Mm-hmm. It's the it's the decision making part of us. Right. That is what ego is. Would you would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And it makes those decisions, like the ego makes those decisions based on threats perceived, right? Okay. So to give an example, uh, let's say Billy thinks poorly of himself athletically. Yeah. So Billy's ego's job sees this uh, this vulnerability within, what did I say his name was? Billy? Billy. <laughs> Billy also does not have a good memory. <laughs> Billy's ego sees that uh, we aren't we aren't as good as Bobby at running, and so the ego steps in in a low stakes situation. Billy's ego will will say things like, "I bet I bet I'd beat Billy. I'd beat Bobby so easy in a race. It wouldn't even be a challenge, right?" While they're inside, away from. <laughs> Uh, an open space to run in right yeah because that will that will kind of cover up billy's vulnerability of being slow right it'll make his him look more favorable right in a social situation yeah and it does that it seems counterintuitive but it does that to protect billy even though all the all it does is uh opens up billy for more more pain if uh if somebody calls him out if bobby calls him out and uh challenges him to a race right? yeah um do you off the top of your head you can get as vulnerable as you like uh obviously the more vulnerable the better but do you have an example in your own life where ego has kind of stepped in uh for your benefit or your detriment either way can you think of anything i think of i'll kind of maybe i'll share a story and then you can maybe take those things and maybe give your input on what's going on Mm -hmm. and if if ego was present in it sure i know when i was in high school one of the more interesting moments was i as a freshman who had just moved to the area didn't know anybody uh, i ran for a class to be like a class vice president or class president Mm -hmm. about midway three quarters of the way through the race it was explained to me because i didn't know how things worked it was explained to me that i had signed up to run for the executive like asb something not just for the class Mm -hmm. and that involved a speech in front of the entire school nice yeah and the person that was the the adult that was over the asb asked me and in later years i i suspect that he was asking me with the bias of like he wanted me to to not follow through with it but he asked me he says do you want to do you want to continue on with this once we had established that there was this rift in communication as far as what I thought I was running for and what he thought he was running for mm. um, or what I, what I was actually running for. Yeah. And I said, well, uh, yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> and he said, well, you can't, a freshman can't run for president. Uh, a freshman can't run for president, but you can run for vice president. So I said, oh, okay, cool. I'll run for vice president. Mm-hmm. So I did that. I did not prepare a speech. We got up there. And then I stood up and I just talked for my speech as a freshman in high school. For my speech, I just talked about my morning leading up to the speech. <laughs> and the kids were at this boring thing, just found this to be the most entertaining thing in the world. 
that I was talking about my struggles with, like, man, I thought I was going to wear jeans today, and then, like, the dryer wasn't done, and it wasn't doing it for me, and I was just, like, the most monotonous of things, and I just took up my entire time slot talking about my normal morning morning routine. Mm -hmm. Everybody thought it was hilarious. And I did super well in the race, and then a couple people that were also in the running disqualified themselves. I know one, one guy disqualified himself from the race, he said, I'm not going to win, but you should vote for Jordan because he's got some balls coming up here and say, <laughs> and talking about that. And so in my head, I'm like, I am the best public speaker <laughs> there has ever been. And then maybe a couple months later, I was giving a talk at church. And maybe instead of trying to, you know, connect spiritually with it and trying to uh, pray about it and prepare it in my head, I was like, well, no, I am the best public speaker <laughs> on this earth like mm -hmm. literally i can say anything probably the night before thankfully that i was still at the age in our church that uh, a talk given in front of the congregation only had to be two minutes long mm -hmm. heaven forbid they had to listen to me for 10 minutes but <laughs> probably at 3 a.m the morning prior i hadn't gotten to bed yet i just put down a bunch of bullets on this piece of paper mm -hmm. i was like this is good i'm gonna do great <laughs> got up next day obviously there was no spiritual attachment to the to the talk. Mm -hmm. There was no help from above, and it was just a train wreck. Mm. And then I went to the other end, and I was like, well, I am the worst public speaker <laughs> in the world. And I avoided uh, I avoided public speaking for a long for a long time after that. So so it kind of went from one end of one weird situation to like all the way to the other end because of one uh, bad experience. But that's one memory that comes up to mind. Do you f uh, do you feel like that mindset of like that experience of like, I'm the best there's ever been because of this anomaly. Do you feel like that is ego or do you feel like that's enough that that's something else? Yeah. Uh, maybe, yeah, it, maybe it doesn't fit exactly with the, uh, with the definition that, uh, like the, the definitions we wrote down. But, uh, if we think about what the ego is and what its purpose is, absolutely. So the ego is internal observer in our conscious mind, whose job is to protect us. Yeah. So you observed, or your ego observed, that you did a phenomenal job at your high school uh, student body class presidency running speech. Yeah. And so when it came time to speak in church, uh, you didn't say this, but I tell the story that you probably didn't want to put that much effort into writing a talk. That may have also been involved. So... I think it would be pretty safe to say that your ego is trying to protect you from having to do something. Uh, okay, so that's okay, so that's super interesting. That's not even something I've thought of before. So, so you're saying you think my ego, unbeknownst to me, the like my conscious self, mm -hmm. my ego was protecting me in my fear of preparing a talk. This by having this attitude of I don't need to. Is that kind of what you're getting at? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That is uh, fascinating. That is that is not at all the way that I've thought about it in the past, but I can totally see that being being a thing. And I think I've just I think I've heard that I think I've heard that kind of thing being described in different in different ways um in the past not being attached to ego, but that totally makes sense to me where on the back end my subconscious self or whatever level of consciousness mm -hmm. it was was trying to make things work or there was a pain there in this case fear. Right. That it wanted to cover up. And even though it wasn't to my benefit, that was the solution it came to. Right. Yeah. 
Fascinating. Yeah. And so then you observe that you're not that great of a speaker. Yeah. Uh, and so then your ego consciously protected you. Or I'm going to say your ego. I'm going to refer to your ego because we'll talk about the difference between you and your ego in a minute. Yeah. Uh, your ego protected you uh, from public speaking for a long time, right? Yeah. Steer just steered, steered clear of public speaking. Yeah, but I remember on top of that, or in addition to that, I remember mm-hmm. it going even further that uh, I would avoid public speaking, and I, but I, I gave myself reasons for that, and that I would think like, oh, I'm good at it. Mm. Um, I just get stressed yeah. or I'm good at it, but these aren't like the situations that are, you know, good for me. Mm-hmm. I was in a public speaking course at college mm-hmm. and I dropped out because <laughs> the instructor had a speech impediment. Oh man. And I was like, well, I'm a good public speaker and I don't need this guy. Right. Who this would? is a terrible thing from yeah this <laughs> this is a terrible thing to say but I don't need this guy to tell me what I'm doing wrong. <laughs> I think I do remember when I backed out of that class that behind that I think there was some fear of public speaking but I you know I there was a couple times that I recognized kind of covering that up or um, I remember saying to myself um, oh I'm good at it but I don't want to be I don't want to be egotistical mm-hmm. I'll let somebody else you know I'll let somebody else do it right uh, yeah man. Egos are great at rationalizing, aren't they? Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah, egos are super duper good at rationalizing and coming up with excuses. So what's the, I mean, parts of those times where ego stepped in, that was subconscious maybe in the beginning with the church talk. Later on there, you know, I was a little bit more conscious about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and both of those were, you know, different kind of iterations maybe. Mm-hmm. That's a good word to use of ego playing a part in my life. Yeah. Yeah. And let's talk about the level of consciousness, the levels of consciousness at play here. There's a very fuzzy line between voluntary actions and involuntary actions. You watch the video where Alan Watts talked about the difference there. Yeah. And we'll link the, uh, there's a video that Brian sent me and I'll link it in the show notes. Um, yeah. And, uh, maybe I'll make a little comment in the beginning, um, that, uh, well, maybe not, maybe I'll just put it in the show notes and I'll tell you guys right now to go watch that video. Yeah. Go watch. So you guys aren't spoiled. Yeah. Go watch after school, the YouTube channel. They're great. They got all kinds of fantastic stuff, but, uh, yeah. So voluntary and involuntary conscious and subconscious, there's not a real, it's it kind of fades in and out of each other, right? The ego is the conscious mind's perception of self, but you also have a subconscious back there that uh, sometimes totally disagrees with that. So where's the difference? Uh, when you decide to do something, do you decide to decide to do something? Or... I know that's one of the big things that he says in the beginning of the video. Yeah, and it's it's really. Uh, for me, very thought-provoking because now I question how much my conscious mind, my ego, is doing things and how much my subconscious mind is doing things. Because uh, I like to think that there's, a, that there's a significant difference between the, the two ends of the pendulum of the, the, the conscious ego and the subconscious mind. And I like to think that I'm fairly aware of the difference um yeah 
But maybe I'm not. And I'm sure there are a lot of times that I go unaware of that. But where do the decisions come from, right? Yeah, is that so is that kind of the main question when one is thinking about the mm-hmm. ego? Yeah. So is it your so is every action you take completely conscious? And I would say for me, definitely not. And and Alan Watts definitely brings it up himself, but some of those things as far as well, I'll try to say a couple different things than what he says. Mm-hmm. Um, there are several times throughout the day, uh, especially now since I haven't been as intentional about it, but reaching for my phone and maybe automatically pulling up um, an app on my phone, even though I've pulled that same I pulled that same up app up not five minutes ago, right? And looked through everything. On the same note, maybe people can relate to just checking the fridge. <laughs> what's what's changed what's in the pantry <laughs> yeah, is yeah, that box looked... of oreos that i really want to be there in there yet yeah nope dang it i mean on the same note uh checking email mm-hmm. when they're i know uh, i think of like a kid like as a kid i always wanted mail <laughs> and as an adult so there's nothing i want less than mail <laughs> and it's definitely the same thing with like email is like as a uh, when i was younger and i set up my like my first email i'm like uh-huh. all i want is email and now as an adult like I, I look at my inbox and the lower the number is <laughs> the better my day is <laughs> but uh checking email becomes habitual um and maybe if we've either have we I, i've already forgotten we've either already talked about habit or it's 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 in the future um, in my uh, mind but i think that one's in the future okay well habit is definitely uh, another big thing mm-hmm. uh, that we could talk about yeah those are some things that come to mind yeah so are those voluntary or involuntary or in other words are you doing them or are they happening to you i would say they're happening to me because yeah. there's been times where i don't know like i'll come like i'll come to myself or like i'll come to my senses mm-hmm. as people might say mm-hmm. and i'll just realize hey, I'm looking at my phone and I'm checking GroupMe or I'm checking a social media site. Yeah. And it's almost like I'm I'm just realizing it, even though like I was the one that pulled my phone out and right. I'm checking Facebook. Yeah. But it's like a surprise to me a couple <laughs> seconds later. Yeah. So I would definitely say that it's happening to me. Yeah. But you had to do it though, right? Yeah. And that's when we start getting into like the different levels of, yeah. of consciousness. Yeah. Uh, because. So like, what's the difference, right? Yeah, and I could see how that would be a gray line. Mm-hmm. Or like I know there's some people Alan Watts talks about it as far as like driving. But like mm-hmm. some people on their way to work, they'll just like get to work and they'll they'll like suddenly like be like riveted in fear. They're cuz they can't they can't remember ever stopping for a red light mm-hmm. and they think like did I just run like seven red lights? Oh yeah. And yeah. you probably didn't, but but it was just the drive was so habitual mm-hmm. and it just it just came and left. Uh, that's another big one as well. And I've definitely done that where I've just like gotten to work or I've gotten to the last intersection before work. Mm-hmm. And then I suddenly tense up where I'm like, oh my, oh my goodness, how did I get here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I can certainly relate to that. I don't do that as much on a motorcycle, but yeah, it's a, it, it is harder on a motorcycle for sure. But so there's the answer is basically yes like you obviously you have to do it because nobody's putting your phone and opening up facebook for you it's it's you doing it yeah but there's your conscious mind and your subconscious mind and they're both different they're separate clearly but they're both working separately but in tandem to each other yeah can i add one more example yes 
um, this is very similar to the phone thing and pulling out your phone, but something that if I encourage people to, if you haven't noticed it yet, just the next time you're around a group of people, just look the minute that people stop like talking or that there's like a lull, look around and see how quickly the majority of the group of people pull their phones out. Yeah. It's frightening. It is. It's, it is frightening. Mm -hmm. And the habit, you know, for yourself, like, Oh, I should, I'll pull my phone out. And I can definitely see where that maybe that is a great example of the ego. Maybe there's some something trying to cover the ego is trying to cover up or put you in a more favorable light by pulling out your phone and Mm -hmm. make it seem like you're doing something, even though you're, maybe that's all you're doing is you're just checking Facebook again Mm -hmm. for the third time that hour. Right. But, but yeah, just look around the group. Yeah. It's, it's scary. (laughs) Not a fan of it, but I'll do the same thing. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So, so there's different levels of consciousness. Do they have, is that, is that the names that you were talking about before, as far as the id, the ego and the superego? Yeah. So we don't really call them that anymore. It's just, we just kind of, talk about the conscious mind and the subconscious mind okay so you can think and that's your conscious mind Uh, like all the thoughts you have happen in your conscious mind and you're aware of those and your subconscious mind is like well you said like the sub the subconscious mind is dealing with uh from our time from my time at at rehab Mm -hmm. i remember the conversation that the subconscious uh you'll tell me if this is if i'm connecting the right lesson to the right thing Mm -hmm. but the subconscious mind is like the the iceberg under the water level like the conscious mind is the tip but the subconscious mind is the is the actual like 80 percent of your mind right like doing the brunt of the work yeah Doing doing more work than the conscious doing the vol- doing more volume right yeah. yes yeah because uh, at yeah. any point at any point in time when I'm like I'm th- you know I'm walking down the hallway and I'm thinking about <clears throat> my meeting that I'm on my way to mm-hmm. um, and I'm thinking about what I'm going to say on that meeting but in that moment like I open three doors I have a quick like pleasantries conversation with the receptionist. Mm-hmm. I avoid somebody's coffee that they're carrying. Like I'm yeah. walking. Yeah. I'm drink. Like I have water in my hand. Like there's a billion things going on mm-hmm. that the subconscious mind is taking care of. Yes. Uh, while I am heading to a meeting and I'm thinking about how to not look like a fool in this <laughs> meeting. And so there's there's a lot of like volume, just stuff that the subconscious mind is doing. Yes. Uh, yes. And there's these fascinating things called heuristics that your subconscious um programs for itself uh think of heuristics like a macro on a computer it's a shortcut and so all this information comes in right you get you literally get in that walk down your hallway your your brain is processing terabytes of information yeah terabytes of information i'm going to say that again (laughs) terabytes of information like For those that aren't the most techie, astronomical amounts of of data. What is the what is the tree to a terabyte for somebody that is uh, that is unfamiliar with tech stuff? Uh, I believe a terabyte is one hundred gigabytes. Correct. Uh, it's a thousand. A thousand. That's one thousand twenty-four to be exact. You're, but a thousand yes. a thousand gigabytes. Yeah. And to put it into perspective, I think you could put a gigabyte of storage can hold like several hundred if not more songs mm-hmm. if that like helps somebody visualize like how big a gigabyte is mm-hmm. and then 
a thousand, one thousand twenty-four gigabytes is one terabyte. And so, just because just, I did the math in my head while you're talking, that's one point two four trillion bytes of data. Yeah. Um, and so that's just for people. If that helps somebody visualize, that is truly an insane amount of data. Mm-hmm. So I guess we're getting into this computer technology is kind of built and designed based on our understanding of the brain and psychology. Um, yeah. So think of RAM, like the the working memory of the computer. Oh, I'm so excited on the direction that this conversation is taking. <laughs> it's just a quick dip, my friend. Don't get no, too excited. No, no, no. You think it's a quick dip. So RAM, right? I'm putting, I'm putting this in future topics. Good. I'm putting that down right now. That's, actually, I think that would be a really fascinating. I think that would be a fun topic. So... A big amount of RAM. That's like a lot of power. Uh, how much RAM on a, like a big, nice computer? You're asking me? Yes. Let's say like the biggest video editor just just cranking through just massive amounts of high-end simulations mm-hmm. and video editing. An oversupply of RAM for them would probably be 128 uh, gigabytes of RAM. And... For most, for for 98% of the population, 8 gigabytes of RAM Mm -hmm. is more than enough for what anybody in the world needs. Yeah. So the the most, the most, like, top-end, most amount of RAM that a computer can have is 128 gigabytes per... The most that anybody would, the most that anybody would need. We can start getting into the whole of, like, servers and all that. Okay, sure, sure. All right, all right, sorry, sorry. You're, we're out of my depth here. (laughs) <laughs> in the computer right. tech but uh and is that 128 gigs per second or per minute or is it just kind of a flat is there a time um so the um i'll kind of explain it and then you can tell me if it lines up okay so it's like a it's like a um you can picture it as a room and how big is the room mm-hmm. and however big the room is means that's how many people can shuffle in and out at the same time okay so you can picture picture each Chrome tab is a person. How many Chrome tabs can can be chilling I see. in the room? Yeah. Okay, I see. I so see. so it's not like moving in and out. Just like how how big is the space? Okay. So, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, because because RAM is RAM is the frontal part of like all the stuff that needs to like be available like right now. Gotcha. So, does that kind of line up with kind of what's in your head? Yeah. Yeah. So your uh what we call the working memory uh your conscious ram is tiny you can remember basically a phone number for was it like 7 seconds 7 seconds yeah yeah that's uh, a, that's the number i remember hearing the magic number is 7 plus or minus 2 yeah um you can remember like maybe 9 bits of data for five seconds or like seven bits of data for seven seconds or it's always seven plus or minus two um, yeah and there's like there's a really f- there's a fun paper to read on seven plus or minus two <laughs> that I sounds riveting i can't remember who wrote it but uh one of the first one of the first psychologists who uh did a lot of work with working memory came up with that but your subconscious ram is where we're talking like terabytes of yeah. data. So every every movement down that hallway 
outside of you is measured and tracked by your subconscious. Every door, any bumps in the carpet, the temperature, uh, the wind that you're that you feel on your face and ears as you're walking, yeah. the coffee, the uh, everything. That's all measured by your and encoded by your subconscious. And then the the really really cool part that we don't really understand yet is how the subconscious tells your conscious there's a coffee cup right there move out of yeah. the way and so you got these yeah, okay. two separate clocks running in your brain yeah right there's the conscious mind the ego that you're making decisions and you're talking and you're you're thinking and you're daydreaming that's your ego right and then you got your subconscious which is measuring everything in the physical world and feeding that information to your ego to make decisions based on and not to mention your personality uh your personality heuristics are stored within your your subconscious and not to not to sideline too much but for anybody that's ever wondered as far as advertising like let's say let's take like coke like anybody's ever wondered why coke just throws seems to throw money at ads in the most random of ways um, or just has their name like everywhere mm-hmm. and you think to yourself like oh, why would i like this doesn't do anything to me uh coke is when they do those advertisements they don't care about your conscious mind they're literally just bombarding your unconscious mind mm-hmm. just by sheer volume like how many times like how many times in a day can we make brian see our name mm-hmm. and our brand and our logo because the next time that he goes and gets a drink there's another word, um, and I don't know if it's something you and I talked about recently or if it came up at a different um, space, but something familial. Like we, mm-hmm. there are choices that we, some choices that we make just purely based on how familiar we are with them. Mm-hmm. So Coke just wants us to be most familiar with Coke when we need to make a drink. So mm-hmm. Coke does not care about the fact that you're mad when you see like the 17th Coke logo during your day actually they're quite happy if you get mad at it because emotion uh, oh yeah it just attaches itself more when you encode a memory with emotion the decay effect is significantly reduced so you remember it a lot longer yeah so so i didn't want to i did uh i just think that's a i find advertising fascinating we should approaches people take we should talk about uh advertising and marketing because uh i've done some reading on the father of marketing and propaganda. I think I mentioned it on the show. I think I mentioned it on the show. Edward Bernays, uh, actually yeah. the nephew of Papa Freud. Fun fact. Oh, Oof. <laughs> All right, cool. All right, cool. I got it. I got it down. Um, I'd love. I'd love to talk about advertising. Like, yeah. there's so much that I find fascinating about that. But I didn't want to steer us off too much. Um, I just wanted to mention that real quick as far as the subconscious brain and mm-hmm. and how different organizations are really just just honing into that. Yeah, but, they're just really inserting uh, themselves into your subconscious. Yeah. Um, so uh, so conscious brain, mm-hmm. you know, nine bytes of data for five seconds, but the subconscious yeah. brain, just terabytes and terabytes. Yeah. And so kind of... The uh, the kind of culmination of this conversation for me has led to the the role behind the ego, the subconscious, right? Your ego, we've defined and described as this function of mortality that has a 
clear and defined purpose and its limitations. Subconscious, as we have quasi-mathematically proven, is much, much less limited than your ego. And, uh, I mean, here we get into the uh, woohoo, witchcraft, uh, hippy-dippy, tinfoil hat area. I mean, we did talk about D&D for like two hours last episode, so... (sighs) The subconscious is not subject to the ego's um vulnerabilities or its um its aptitude to be persuaded uh because the subconscious knows who you are and this is uh this is why some people find meditation to be so powerful and enlightening because okay. meditation is a way to tap into that subconsciousness and uh and stop thinking with your conscious mind to stop perceiving the world around you immediately around you with your ego mind and to start experiencing yourself we talk a lot about experiencing yourself on this show that's that's where the subconscious comes in and if you can tap into that you you'll realize that you're not this mortal physical body you're more than that we talked about this in the identity episode you're more than what you think you are mankind is more than just biological physical beings born to die on this rock in space humanity is something so incredibly important to the human experience and that's that can't be contained within ego I mean, we've yeah. we've described and we've we've explained a couple of different situations and scenarios where the ego can't be trusted to maintain humanity. It, Truly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And so that's where the subconscious takes over. When you realize that you're not your ego and you're you're not what you think you, you're not the things in your bowl, you begin to realize that you are irrevocably undeniably connected to something bigger than this flesh sack that you perceive yourself to be most of the time and you can feel this connection to the universe and the subconscious is there to maintain that connection and i think it's a real tragedy that we've lost that as a society i think when you say lost that i mean what do you so I know you don't want to get political, so we're going to do our best to be uh, general here, but still. In the last hundred years, I mean, what do you, I mean, do you, is it, is it like, are you talking about like the, like the world of like instant gratification and, and all this stuff that we can distract ourselves with? Or what do you, like, what do you mean when you think that, do you think that people in the past at any point in time or at a certain point in time, we're more in touch with their subconscious than we are today? Yes, but not consciously aware of it. So how do you, I mean, are you talking like 18th century versus now? Or are you talking like um, BC 10,000? I, I don't know. It's been it's been gradual, especially in the modern era. I can't think of the timelines of when modern and postmodern philosophy started. But uh, especially... After World War II, so the mid-1900s, 
Um, it's gotten a lot faster. I mentioned tapping into your subconscious. You can you can find that connection to the universe. That's not a really good way to put it, but I'm just trying to I'm just trying to describe the indescribable. I'm just trying to yeah, and it's always I'm trying to put hard. infinite in a box. I'm trying, yeah. you know, I'm trying to. I just know, but like in the past, I've heard people, you know, they say like, "Oh, I'd love to live in the, you know, I'd love to live in the medieval era or the Renaissance era or whatever." Mm-hmm. And that'd be terrible. Knowing any anything, knowing anything about those eras, I'm like, that would be horrifying. Yeah, all the disease and sickness and yeah, yeah it's like things. you're already like if you're if you want to live in the medieval era, you're already past the average life expectancy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you're 35, and that's an accomplishment. Yeah, <laughs> uh, um, congratulations, Grandpa. Yeah, and so I was just, uh, I'm curious when people say stuff, uh, anything that mm-hmm. kind of sounds like that, we're like, oh, you know, it was better in the past. It's like, mm-hmm. was it? Was it really? Well, physically, no, but spiritually, yes. Uh, I f- I absolutely believe that this uh, this connection to the universe that I keep talking about it's just it's just a connection to God right you and I you and I belong to the same church same faith and so yeah. like a connection to God or Heavenly Father that's what I'm talking about here that's what the subconscious is there for because you can think and think and think and think until you're and you will never build any faith really uh you might get a little bit you might you might be able to well i don't even want to say you might be able to rationalize some things because they're not rational they're you can't rationalize the divine to play devil's advocate i mean i've heard a lot of uh, like scientists or doctors um i think it was albert einstein Mm -hmm. i don't know for sure but i think albert einstein towards the end of his life he said like everything he's learned through his life has proved that there is no possibility but a god mm-hmm. if that like and so i always find that interest i always find that interesting i love that quote yeah uh, um and that's not yeah that's not the that's not the quote in its uh, in its exactness but uh, but right. i i appreciated hearing that from him and i know other people have shared the same sentiment as like mm-hmm. some of the things they've experienced in the scientific or medical um, or research world like they have had those experiences and they come out of it knowing that there's no way that there isn't mm-hmm. but i would argue uh, against your point that you can rationalize faith that there had to be faith there to begin with and so you can rationalize a little bit and get a little of that a little bit of that connection to higher power to god but then again like see as i'm thinking about that i'm thinking about how much is your how much of that is your conscious mind and how much of that is your subconscious mind feeding info to your to your conscious mind right cuz like thinking about something thinking is a is a fascinating fascinating process yeah uh, well and i mean we can get into however many layers and i think that he talks about that in the video as well it's like mm-hmm. he challenges you on like how meta do you want to like how meta do you want to get right but I th- uh, like just to point out real quick, you know, there's obviously, you know, there's a lot of people that their faith is different or or even further than that. I've been in a lot of interacted with a lot of folks where their higher power is much, much more abstract mm-hmm. than maybe like our Heavenly Father mm-hmm. or maybe they're uh, um, agnostic or maybe they're they're atheist. Mm-hmm. But there is still like a I would still I would still ask those people that uh, that, you know, that's their view. 
as far as if they're you know there's a connection that they can still feel with whatever mm-hmm. you know the, with the world with the people around them with nature yes since yeah. we're all since you and i are in the same faith we would describe that same thing as heavenly father right but right i was always fascinated with the somebody described and man would i love it as far as meditation but uh, <laughs> somebody described their experience with meditation as they got to a point where they could like literally it's it seemed like they were in a room with a hole and they could like peer over that hole and they just they saw their thoughts going mm-hmm. by yeah but it was a very like physical experience where like they had themselves and they were physically looking into a room and their thoughts were just coming and going mm-hmm. and they could and they could see them and but there was absolutely no attachment to them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and this was a person that i trust i mean i trusted it there was no i didn't have any doubt that they were trying to pull you know pull one over on me right i've heard that experience from multiple people um and i found that fascinating mm-hmm. that seems a lot kind of what you're talking about with meditation and mm-hmm. kind of dipping into the subconscious yeah I would find that a supremely <laughs> peaceful experience if I was able to uh, to step away from my thoughts for a second. Yeah, absolutely. And just to see, to experience, like what's beyond this flesh bag that we that we are observing through the good old meat sack. Yeah, and that that's kind of the point I was touching on uh, was that there's each of us individually is part of one big whole. One big spiritual hole. And the tragedy I was talking about in society was that people don't really acknowledge that. Uh, and with you know, with all of the distractions and the, the instant gratification and uh, everything, it's, it's, uh, it's hard to get there, right? Because you don't, you don't really need to, to get in touch with yourself anymore to, to survive. There's not, there's other things to do and there's not really a need to search within yourself to find answers anymore. It's all, it's all in your pocket. You know, you can look at a screen to get uh, any answer that you're looking for. Yeah. And so this introspection has kind of gone by the wayside. And that's, that's the tragedy I was talking about, that uh, the society has lost this connection to whatever whatever we're trying to talk about and uh to go back to your original analogy the the actor in the play that uh everything is in your story right everything's in your your ego's perceiving all that but your subconscious is connected to everything else all the other characters in in your play yeah uh and that's how you know that that they're there that's how you know that they're more than just their uh their single characteristic does that make sense you mentioned yeah i mean like like if if somebody were to walk up to me and ask me mm-hmm. like are they more than just this character trait then i like i would have to it would have to come up to my conscious brain and i, mm-hmm. and I would acknowledge like yeah they're more than like there's probably more to them than the fact that they're just supposed to say this line right at this time right but like yeah in in the moment in my ego spot at that level of consciousness i just recognize them as like how they serve me Mm -hmm. from my vantage point right right but there's a there's a natural knowing there that that you're part of that they're part of you they're part of your experience yeah and And i would definitely say that you know that being present is definitely something that probably for 
the larger population is not something that that is aware that people are aware of right or have ever experienced right exactly yeah that's part of the tragedy is that they uh the people don't yeah they don't acknowledge that they're part of something that that uh they've lost that natural knowing it's all about it's all about the self and uh pursuing meaning for the self and pursuing pleasure for the self and it's not you know there's no acknowledgement that there's there's something else to you that you're not just you i wanted to just to you know try to cover ego uh as we're certainly not doing it comprehensively because <laughs> i don't have any degree um and and i would say that you would probably acknowledge that there's probably some somebody uh, somewhere on this earth that knows more about ego than you so it's not uh, a comprehensive absolutely. uh <laughs> oh yeah for sure but i from what i was reading there was uh there was a couple different words that are commonly used and and kind of thrown around but there's ego which we've discussed as the kind of the conscious decision making part of our brain it mm-hmm. is the it is the conscious i yeah and then there's egocentric which is my understanding from the uh, it sounded from a previous analogy you gave it sounded like you and I read the same website but uh, egocentric is the ignorant view from my vantage point so i'm just i'm i'm looking from where i'm at mm-hmm. and this is what i see at the ego level there's nothing else uh, like there's not there's not additional stuff mm-hmm. and then there's egotistical which which may have been coming up in those times where we were talking about the church talk and some of those other things where uh, viewing ourselves in a more favorable light. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would you agree with those? Yeah. One of the other things that I wrote down was uh, like driving. I think, I think ego comes up super commonly for a lot of people mm-hmm. on, on the road. And so like when I do something wrong, I have an endless list of reasons to pull from mm-hmm. because I acknowledge like I'm a person with depth and experience yeah and yeah and and so i have all these things and it can be anything from oh they were you know they were in my blind spot to you know a whole big like i'm sleep deprived and i'm starving because i stayed up all night listening to the woes of a friend because i'm such a good person (laughs) and when i woke up this morning my family member took my debit card to you so i didn't have it when i went to the grocery and it's like -hmm. what the heck yeah it just goes on and 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 also when i was writing this i was entertained by that when i got done writing that little thing I was entertained by how quickly it shifted back to the to the me. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I was talking about something I did to somebody else, and most of that was like me statements yeah. and like more favorable things that I was doing yeah. in a fictional analogy. <laughs> um, so I thought that was interesting. Yeah, but that's the ego, man. When I see somebody else cut me off at whatever level the ego's at before it gets to the subconscious, their entire identity is the dick who pulled out in front of me on purpose yeah. when I was on my way to a meeting I'm late to. Right. And again, it turned quickly back to my stuff because I'm the main character. Exactly. And the only purpose that that side character served was to get in my way for my important thing. Mm-hmm. And they're That's probably called... smug about it. <laughs> Pro- oh, absolutely. Of course they are. Yeah. Why wouldn't they yeah. be? Exactly. Yeah. That's called fundamental attribution error that you just described that perfectly. Yeah, and I know we've talked about it. that's been brought up in the past, mm-hmm. and I find that as well just just fascinating because mm-hmm. it happens so often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just reduce a whole person down to this one thing that they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just great stuff. It's great. <laughs> or stuff. somebody's somebody's late like twice, and they are forever known, like they are just they're just the person that's late, mm-hmm. and nothing like. <laughs> 
nothing, nothing would ever convince me, you know, if, if they're just late, who do I care if I ask them and it turns out that both of those times, like they were dealing with a sick family member, like that doesn't matter. They were, yeah, because they don't have depth, right? Yeah. They don't have depth. Yeah. They don't have, they don't have a family member. They're just the side character to my story. Exactly. So yeah. So egotistical is kind of the description of viewing ourselves in a more favorable light. Mm Mm-hmm. Egocentric is the kind of the ignorant view from my vantage point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the ego is the conscious, the conscious eye. So those yeah. are the three words that I was seeing being described mm-hmm. um, just to cover, cover all those bases. This is a question that maybe you, <laughs> maybe you won't want to, won't have a response to, but in the way that people commonly use the words, do you feel like you struggle or experience one of those three more than the others? Maybe one of those two. Because ego, there's not really anything attached to ego. Egocentric yeah. or egotistical. Yeah, yes. Egocentrism is basically just the concept that you view everything from your own vantage point. So, I I mean, egocentrism is, is, as, fun, uh, is as fundamental to the human experience as ego itself is. Because like we've been talking about this whole time, uh, ego is the, the conscious mind's perception of self right it's a very individual and it's not it does not have any connection to the outside to outside of your body basically ego egotistical that's something that i think we can work on as people as individuals and i think and that's where the connection to your subconscious and learning your true identity i think that's where that comes in your subconscious knows your true identity deep down enough. It knows everybody else's true identity also. And so getting in touch with that is what can help with egotism. Egotistic- e- egotisticalism. That sounds that weird. sounds inappropriate. Yes, it does. <laughs> Cut it, uh, um, Cut it right now. I want to, unless there's any other points you have, I want to wrap up with connecting it. Connecting it to addiction recovery again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember, and I, off the top of my head, I can't remember maybe the time, like the times of the situations that they were used, but I do remember a couple times being challenged on maybe I hadn't had an idea or I had a, I had a way that I wanted to do something or I had a thought process and I was checked on it by somebody saying, um, that's your ego talking or that's mm-hmm. your ego getting in your way. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything to expound on that or maybe expand on maybe what times those, you know, you may have you may have checked clients on that and maybe why you know what was going on there uh yeah the the why is very important there like why did you need to do those things that way okay. um that was that's the ego trying to protect you trying to do its job um by protecting whatever part of you you perceived as vulnerable and so i mean yeah it's just it does tend to get in our way especially swelled egos as we know addicts tend to have swelled egos yeah yeah the bigger your ego is the easier it is to get in your way right the the more power you give it the more power it's going to have over you can i ask um and maybe this will be maybe a check for myself to see if i'm understanding the message you're trying to get across with ego do you feel like one of the reasons that somebody who's dealt with addiction for a long time has a swelled ego is because they have whether or not it were it was healthy for them in the long run they have effectively found a way to solve their problems that didn't involve a spiritual or, or 
uh, a healthy connection and they just had this they just had this quote unquote solution that they had found that they could turn to every time to solve their solve their problems and solve their vulnerabilities absolutely yeah i absolutely agree with that uh because <laughs> the saying goes it works until it doesn't right yeah uh so i mean that implies that it does work for a time uh until the consequences of addiction kind of build up and and burst forth in such a way that the the ego is unable to handle all of it at once yeah because i know, you know that it was very it was very enlightening to me when the first time that somebody really described that yes in reality there would be a lot of addictions that wouldn't be like there are addictions that that do literally release uh hormones or or changes chemistry immediately in the brain and mm-hmm. and addiction in general would not be nearly as common if it didn't in the beginning successfully solve what we were trying to do, which we were trying to cover up mm-hmm. emotions or we were trying to cover up pain. Mm-hmm. And it did that. And there wasn't really anything negative afterwards mm-hmm. in the beginning. Right. And so there was, it was a, it was a, it was a quick solution to our problem. Mm-hmm. And we didn't see like there wasn't an immediate consequence that was met. That was so big to, to overcome that solution and so we had something that that worked for us and it took us i guess the nature of addiction is it took us too long to figure out that it wasn't all it was hyped up to be right right and then oftentimes it it goes for so long without noticing that uh that you're in too deep right like oh i can't go back now this is this is my life now and sometimes it's very quick but it's all Mm -hmm. but it's already too strong where somebody immediately recognizes that this isn't like let's take pornography for example. Mm-hmm. Somebody can somebody can realize pretty quickly. Even uh, I've heard a lot of stories from people that even at a young age they recognize like this is wrong. Mm-hmm. But either either it was already the solution was already powerful enough to overcome that shame, or the consequence still wasn't like that wasn't big enough. Mm-hmm. The consequence still wasn't big enough to uh, uh, to overcome what they thought was the solution to their problem. So that's right. kind of me describing it describing the same thing three different ways but the other thing i would also um challenge is when i do like when i am trying to go through recovery and i know you know somebody's told me connection with others the opposite of addiction is connection yes that's very true and that includes a connection with others that includes a connection with my god Mm -hmm. my higher power Mm -hmm. whatever word somebody wants to use and a connection with myself and uh so my question is do you feel like an ego is also in play when I try to, even after being consciously aware, when I try to lean on something else other than the than the things that I consciously know work for me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or when I, I guess when I, I guess the word that I put down is when I, I victimize myself to my situation mm-hmm. instead of taking actions that I know have worked for me in the past. Now, what are you asking? Just, I mean, those are. I can think of times where that has happened. Uh, I guess I guess the assumption would be that ego is playing. It just just takes up the mantle, and and mm. brings forth the solution that it had come with, come up with every other time. Oh yeah 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 yeah. That's its job, right? It because yeah. uh, your ego knows that that's protected you in the past, right? It's served that purpose. Yeah. Whether it's pornography or alcohol or cocaine or gambling or whatever, right? Like that that fixed your problem for a minute. And your ego yeah. knows that. And so, yeah, that's that's kind of a... That's one way to describe addiction. It's kind of a philosophical way to describe addiction. 
And before we close, we're we're getting we're burning the midnight oil here, uh, almost literally. I want to be really clear about the things that I said about the subconscious and being connected to everything and calling that God. Again, I just want to disclaim and say that I'm I was I'm trying to describe something infinite with a mortal imperfect language. My personal faiths, my personal faith is aligned with the teachings and doctrines of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I believe in a heavenly Father uh, and a Savior and Redeemer, Jesus Christ. And I think, well, I encourage, I encourage seeking out a connection to whatever you worship through the means that we talked about tonight because it's there and it's not just uh hokum there's there's actually plenty of work in psychology right now uh dr peterson in canada is doing a lot of work on uh he actually just came out with a book dr jordan peterson 12 more rules for life i think it's called uh it's kind of a follow-up to his first book and it's it talks about spirituality in uh, in the modern era and what the deficits that not being spiritual have brought and uh, and the benefits that it can bring in in everybody's life, whether you're religious or not, um, being connected to to God or nature or a billboard. I heard somebody say, "Was there higher power?" Um, that brings real, tangible benefits into your life. And I hope that I didn't scare anybody off when I was describing some of those uh, those kooky ideas that I, that I was talking about. I gave a talk, um, again, in church the other day. Prepared it a little bit more than I did uh, in that time <laughs> that I spoke about. Mm-hmm. And the direction that it led me was talking about, quote-unquote, uh, the more. In my time... Away from the church, I've I've used I've gotten in I've gotten used to using a lot of words that maybe aren't habitually used in the church. Mm-hmm. So I use something I like using weird stuff like the more. <laughs> I was really entertained by using it. I was also entertained by watching people's weird looks as I kept saying it. Yes, and they're like, Jordan, that's the spirit, or that's this, or that's that. I'm like, yeah, but like the more is really entertaining. <laughs> so. But I, I described a, it was a very simple thing of like I had I get a real connection when in singing, in song, in music. Um, and I just had an experience this year where there was a uh, music was playing and there was a part of the audio. Um, I think it was like a couple. What was it? Part of the part of the song was missing. I didn't know it, um, but I, it was either a couple voices or a couple instrument instruments were not being used in that moment somebody was looking for like the music or something and they didn't want to share with the person next to him mm-hmm. i was not i was none the wiser didn't didn't care i thought it sounded absolutely fantastic without it but then about three quarters of the way through they found what they were looking for and they they um joined in on the song and then all of a sudden it was like oh like i like this more like this is great like i didn't know it could sound like this but I don't want to. I don't want to hear it the other way. Mm-hmm. So that was just a really 
does that does that weird analogy mean anything to you? Does that strike any kind of chord? It just made me it just made me ponder. It just made me you know when I like sometimes like I could be ignorant and thinking like oh the things that I'm doing are great like I am happy or I am this or I am that or I am achieving what I want to. But every mm. once in a while I'll just experience something or I'll just be, get my come to a level of awareness that allows me to to see like oh like that was great but this is this is even this is even more if that makes mm-hmm. sense and so mm-hmm. that just kind of that just kind of came to my mind several times when you were talking about kind of the subconscious brain and kind of this continuing self-actualization that people can have if they work for it in like meditation right. and everything right and if people choose it um you know if they if people want to pursue a spiritual connection in whatever way that is for them so because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I, I don't know what i don't know right so sorry i just wanted to yeah, no, i just you don't know like you don't threw, know. i just i just threw up a bunch of like random stuff but if that means any anything to somebody it was a very small thing that happened many Hopefully months ago but i th- yeah i think about it often so it was a kind of a cool experience yeah. for me to have yeah and yeah i thank you for sharing that that uh that that does mean something to me actually after you after you kind of expanded on it a little more yes yeah, yeah. so uh, obviously, don't believe anything we say just because we say it. But uh, if you take anything away from this, just remember you're not who you think you are. You are more, just like Jordan said. And if you want a connection with a higher power, your brain is literally physically wired to seek and find that connection. And it just takes a little work to find it. And to kind so, of ground yeah. it back with the... Maybe the layman's use of of ego. Ego in itself is natural, mm-hmm. and it's a tool. Yeah, it's, it's natural it's, and it's a tool. Yeah, it's there to give us information about stuff. And if you're aware of it, you can notice when it says to do stuff that you know is not good, like like an addiction recovery. Like your addiction is going to come back up, but you know better, right? And so you say, "Thanks, ego." But not today. <laughs> I like it. So when people say, you know, these things of like egotistical or self-absorbed or overconfident come up, this is just something to ponder on. And so there's um, stepping fully away from every from everything related to it may not be something that works for you. Um, and so there there may be a couple things that could be changed. Um, but ego ego is not something to uh, to step away from. So thanks for listening, guys. Thanks. Bye.